everybody. Welcome to the Juan Galt Podcast. I'm your host, Juan Galt. And today we have a very interesting and important conversation. We're talking to Nopara. He is the founder of Wasabi Wallet, one of the most popular Bitcoin privacy wallets and distributed or decentralized coin mixers, uh, non-custodial coin mixers. He also runs the primary coordinator node, which helps people find each other in this um, attempt at bringing privacy to their coins. There's been a recent controversy uh, regarding Wasabi Wallet. Uh, they have announced that they will be filtering UTXOs or coins that attempt to coin join and gain privacy through their wallet. Uh, and they'll be filtering them by checking with a chain analysis company that is presumably looking for coins that are involved in criminal activity. So if any coins, uh, let's say if any of your coins have been flagged for some sort of alleged criminal activity, um, and these companies signal that uh, Nopara would take that data and filter it from the default Wasabi node, uh, a coordinator node, really, the one that helps, you know, again, coordinate the coin joints. And uh, this has been very controversial for obvious reasons. And the, there's a few questions being asked. Why are they doing this? Have they been co-opted? Uh, are they being pressured? Are they cowering to media FUD? Um, and does this influence or impact negatively the coin joins that do get through? If you try to use their wallet and there's no problem and you coin join, are your coin joins actually compromised by their check of them against these chain analysis companies? All very valid questions, and I appreciate Nopara coming on my podcast to to actually address them. Uh, I think that's... Uh, that's very important and very valuable that he that he's willing to do that. And finally, we talk about the feud with Samurai Wallet. And, you know, if you're in the Bitcoin world, if you're in Bitcoin Twitter, especially, you will be aware of the feud between Samurai Wallet and Wasabi Wallet. And so we talk a little bit about the history of this controversy and some of the most poignant technical issues. And uh, we try to steal steal man some of Samurai's points and also address um, the issues. And obviously, he has uh, very sharp opinions on the matter. Um, and then finally, we end with the lightning round, the rapid fire questions, which is a new premium section of the show, which will be behind the premium subscription to my Substack. So if you if you subscribe for five dollars a month or three dollars a month, if you get the yearly, then you'll get to access the rapid fire set of questions. These are questions that are more fun and more big picture and not so news topical such as is AI going to replace your job and will it become conscious one day uh, what are the most important trends you think people are unaware of and I was very surprised by his answer here actually and uh, are the DMT elves real have you ever talked to them and um, what's the most important book and everyone should read among a variety of other questions that I thought were very intriguing. If you have any questions that you think I should ask the guests, please let me know on Twitter or anywhere I'm on social media all over the place. And um, yeah, so I'm really excited about this. I hope you'll find this whole conversation useful and I hope you'll check out the premium section. And um, 
You can find this show on most podcasting apps. I recommend found.fm, which is a lightning-powered app. It lets you tip and receive tips in lightning and clip out moments that you think are particularly uh, powerful. And, you know, I will be giving out tips to anybody that clips out their favorite moments of the show on that app. So do check that out. It's a pretty cool Bitcoin lightning app. And also, if you're in the U.S. and you're trying to figure out how to buy Bitcoin, and what's the best way to do it, I highly recommend uh, you do some dollar cost averaging. Uh, basically, you buy a set amount every week, let's say 5-10% of your income, you put it into Bitcoin weekly or monthly. And the easiest way to do that in the United States is with swan.com. Uh, swan is a dollar cost averaging Bitcoin company that lets you buy the Bitcoin automatically and it'll deposit it to your cold storage Bitcoin address automatically, which is you know, best recommended practices. If you go to swan.com slash Galt, you'll get $10 free of Bitcoin when you sign up. So there you go. I'm making you money right now. You're welcome. Uh, and this is also a great way to support my show. So I certainly appreciate that. Uh, finally, if you'd like to stay tuned with the deep dive content that I do here at juangalt.com, uh, which spans from AI to geopolitics to Bitcoin to love, please sign up to my Substack at juangalt.com. I will not let you down. Enjoy the show. So let's talk a little bit about the ideal of Bitcoin and privacy, you know, the, the ideal of fungibility. Before we get into all the details, you know, we're going to talk about, about some of the chain analysis stuff, Wasabi, and if you'd like, we can maybe talk a little bit about the samurai drama and, 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 and all of that, just at least to kind of address it. Um, but, like, the ideal is, that we don't have to worry about any of this, right? That you just have the privacy and that, you know, you have the fungibility and that there isn't this kind of looming abstract threat that maybe some, you know, conglomerate of corporations will start looking at chain analysis and censoring payments and, and implementing uh, payment rail censorship without, you know, due process, without necessarily a court hearing or a warrant from a court or anything like that. Um, is that how you, how do you look at the ideal? Where, where, where would you like us to be? Mm, that's a, that's a good question. So I, I, I really prefer to, to go back to first principles when we are discussing these things, um, which would be that, First of all, what the hell are we here? You know, what are we doing here? We are, we are building a revolution, the revolution of money. And this is not a, not a small thing. This might just be the largest thing that humanity have ever <laughs> attempted to, to do, like the major, major turning point in history. Right. So then we encounter the question that, well, if we want to do a better money, then what, what is a good money? What does it actually mean? Well, we can look at the sciences and, 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 and we might find, or at least I have found that the most appropriate way to conceptualize money would be the good money theory, theory of good money, which is trying to specify a number of properties for money. And I'm going to leave out some, only bringing what's relevant. And the 
major most important thing that Bitcoin brought to the table is the fact that no one can print more, right? Like, holy fucking shit, no one can print more money. <laughs> it's, it's crazy if you think about that. Why would, why would we even allow a group of people to, to, to do that and, and take away value from all of us without creating value and exchanging it for goods and services? But never mind. So theory of good money. Um, also, there is an, another theory, which is, um, which is the functions of money. And, and I, I mapped the, the good money properties onto it, uh, you know, store of value, unit of account and medium of exchange. Now, um, we talked about the, the store of value aspect, uh, which is the, the uninflatable liability. <laughs> Uh, let's call it that. Uh, regarding medium of account, um, I believe that all we can do there is just wait, right? A better money will eventually take over the world and it's going to be the medium of account. There is no question about that. Uh, adoption is the key here. Now, when we get to the medium of exchange dimension, that's where things get interesting. Um, what we want to do with money is the, with the least amount of friction, we want to communicate the uh, value to another person, to give value to another person, value, the fruits of your work. Um, and, and what does that mean in practice? You want to do it as fast, as cheap, and as privately as you can, right? These three main horses of, 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 of the medium of exchange dimension that's still not currently perfectly solved with, with, with the Bitcoin revolution. Now, about how cheap and how fast we are, we are doing the, the money communication, um, that's, that's uh, let's put that aside. That's where the Lightning Network comes in and, 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 and other scaling solutions. But what we are focusing here is the fungibility aspect, the privacy aspect, the anonymity aspect, right? Which is, so let, let me just clear up these three um, quick, uh, quick terminology here. Um, anonymity is a mathematical tool that we can utilize to enable privacy for the individual, like a private Bitcoin wallet. So we can use anonymity to build a private Bitcoin wallet. And adoption of a private Bitcoin wallet leads to the fungibility of the currency. Fungibility um, also called inter-exchangeability, indistinguishability. Um, it's about two units of value to be as indistinguishable from each other as possible. And that's where coin joins come in. Um, there are a lot of non-fungible Bitcoin going into coin joins and a lot of fungible Bitcoin coming out of coin joins. The only differentiating factor um, 
in, in a relevancy scale, the only differentiating factor should be the amount of uh, coin joined UTXO. And therefore, coin joined UTXOs are fungible from each other. Uh, in respect to each other, they are indistinguishable. So right. that's, uh, that's the working theory that I'm, I'm, I'm working with and actually constantly evolving it. Yeah, and that, that makes perfect sense as my understanding of, of money as well. It's the Aristotelian definition of money. And uh, I, I would like to see all of those values, you know, manifested in Bitcoin. And I, I agree that we have to wait for some of the other things like unit of account. Um, are you aware that, that fungibility is, I mean, kind of, it's kind of a legal term and it's a legal dimension in a sense. There's, um, are you aware that there, there was a case in Europe in like the 1800s where some guy had his gold stolen and he had a stamp on the gold, on a bar of gold, and then this bar of gold ended up in a bank. And somehow he found out that his gold bar was in that bank. So he sued the bank. He said, that's my gold. Give it back to me. And the bank said, uh, no, we got this gold from this other merchant. And, you know, I mean, obviously had passed hands a few times at that point. And so they went to court. And in the court, the, the, the judge ruled that despite the fact that that gold bar of gold was the uh, originally the owners and it was indeed stolen nevertheless they couldn't give the, the gold back because it would violate the fungibility of money and fungibility is a greater good um and i, and I wrote an article about this on bitcoin magazine i'll put that in the show notes it's maybe one of the best articles i've i've written with some historical accounts of it but um were you aware of that that legal dimension of fungibility Mm -hmm. That's interesting. I might check it out. Um, so, my my from from my investigation, um, I, I think people can can bring precedents um, for both sides, legal precedents, and I personally prefer to not not uh, base too much of my conclusions on these because um, the, the field, the science of law is, 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 is a soft science in a sense that it's often um, utilized to, to push the, the existing powers um, agenda. So, so I, I but, I am really happy that there are many precedent uh, regarding uh, regarding privacy and fungibility in the law and existing cases uh, itself. However, I'm uh, I'm more cautious to to make conclusions based on that. Yeah, and there's certainly plenty of examples where the fungibility of money has been violated for political reasons, and that really is the. Ah, the great theme of our of our time is the the weaponization of payment systems uh, for political ends and means to serve some establishment or some, you know, uh, conglomerate or some uh, conspiracy of of power, so to speak. Um, which you know, again, we're, it's something we're gonna dig into a little bit, uh, given the you know the big story that that we're gonna test today which is the whole chain analysis uh filtering in 
with with wasabi so um maybe before we get into that uh tell us a little bit about the structure of 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 the company let's say the the, the technology it seems like there's kind of like two entities or two stacks of software there's the wasabi client which is what people use to you know access the coin join of of your company and then there's the coordinator which is run separately uh in default settings which you operate is that is that correct mm -hmm. that's correct although in my mind uh the two things the companies ikisnax and wasabi is very often interchangeable however there certainly are cases when we cannot talk uh, interchangeability in between them. And I guess we are going to go into one of those cases today. So tell us kind of what happened here. Um, at some point, there was an announcement. I believe you did an interview with uh, Bitcoin Magazine. I read a, an article from them. They had a couple of quotes from you um, about... Um, Basically, you know, the, the, the coordinator node, which uh, you have to run in order to help uh, coordinate the coin joints. Is that right? Maybe, maybe tell us a little bit about how that works, like how just overview so people understand what is the role of the coordinator in relation to, to the WhatsApp client? Mm -hmm. let, me, let me start with some history. Um, sure. I, I started working on, on Bitcoin privacy and... And, and there was a new project called Tumblebit, uh, which was, um, I, I don't want to throw too many <laughs> technical terms in the mix, but it was, it was something based on not CoinJoin, but CoinSwap. And the selling point of the Tumblebit white paper was that this is a centralized coordinator of CoinSwaps where the coordinator cannot steal nor de-anonymize its users. And after Tumblebit, uh, after Tumblebit, I worked on it for like two years and uh, <laughs> I did, did get to implementation. But at one point I, I was reading the World Bitcoin Talk uh, posts from Gregory Maxwell, who is uh, credited to be the inventor of CoinJoin um, to be To be precise, he did not invent CoinJoin. I traced it back to 2011 to hash coins, one of the posts in Bitcoin Talk. But, but Gregory Maxwell was, was the one who fleshed out CoinJoins, right? And in that, in that long uh, post about CoinJoins, privacy for the real world, he had in the frequently asked questions um, three sentences that grabbed me like 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 nothing else. He described Xiaomi and CoinJoin. Xiaomi and CoinJoin is something that I worked out later based on these three things. But what I realized is that, oh, wow, this actually does exactly what Tumblebit was uh, supposed to do. And it looks like a hundred times simpler than, than the crazy cryptography of Tumblebit. So I worked out Xiaomi and CoinJoin, um, and I published it in a, in a paper on GitHub. I'm not even sure you can call that a paper, but on GitHub. Um, and I added some, some additional requirements, right? And I called it zero link. And Wasabi Wallet 1.2 was built 
read the Zero-Link framework. Now, a year ago, we came out with Wasabi Wallet 2.0, which isn't built on top of this, but to connect some, uh, some, uh, some threads here is that Samurai Wallet did took my Zero-Link implementation, uh, Zero-Link paper, renamed it to Whirlpool, did some minor modifications, and now they are running that. Um, <laughs> what's the point here? The, po <laughs> the, the your question was is uh, like why why do you need a coordinator at all? And I'm sure this is a very technical and difficult question, but if you could give us like a general sense of why you need a coordinator at all, that be that would probably be good. Yeah, it's uh, that, that's exactly what I wanted to to, to get here. Is that. Uh, so what is the coordinator in this Xiaomi and CoinJoin schema? Uh, it is an entity that receives data from the client in a way that it cannot, cannot learn any information about its, uh, its users and it cannot, therefore it cannot uh, de-anonymize its users and it cannot steal the money. All right, and the the idea the idea here is is something that it's hard for people to wrap their head around, but it's really simple. It's that the Wasabi Wallet client application is built in a way that considers the company zk Snacks the not just the company, the entity that's running the coordinator as its enemy. Right, so ZK snacks actually means zero knowledge snacks and wasabi is some kind of a snack. So, so that's the it's the the metaphor there. But uh, but the idea is that the clients do not trust in the coordinator, and that's actually, by the way, what Samurai is violating. But uh, uh, anyway, uh, don't have to go into that now. <laughs> right. Okay, and and presumably, you know, it's it's not trivial to do this in a in a way that doesn't have a coordinator. Um, I want to pursue that line of thought, but I think it would take us off mm -hmm, the mm -hmm. topic of the conversation. So maybe that's something for later or for a different conversation. Um, I, I can quickly summarize it if you want. Sure, so there, I, yes. I I think you're. That's exactly my conclusion. That it's not trivial to do that uh, in a completely decentralized way. So. Join market did it to some extent, but still there are IRC servers where the peers find each other. And even Bitcoin Core couldn't get to full decentralization because the first time that you run Bitcoin Core, you are going to connect to hard-coded Bitcoin Core nodes by trusted Bitcoin Core, ne core developers to give you the to, to, to find each other, right? So it's not a trivial problem. Now, there was one paper, CoinShuffle, and its follow-up paper, CoinShuffle++, that is claiming to do that. And I did, uh, did, did <laughs> go into the depths of it. Um, uh, unfortunately, I found it way too, well, not trivial, right? And even the implementations based on them introduced coordinators. So that uh, didn't work out that way. But I think technically 
there must be a genius who 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 does it and i think joy market is good enough uh, already so that's that's the full answer there <laughs> okay and um but nevertheless you you created wasabi with a coordinator what what made you like why not just build a ux for for joint market then <laughs> that's funny that you asked because that's exactly what i started with <laughs> so you know i wasn't uh, i wasn't a freedom fighter or anything like that i just uh, i just got into bitcoin i was a developer and i saw a reddit post uh, from chris belcher the creator of joy market he crazily disappeared a year ago or something but uh, but he had this reddit post about the launch of joy market and i look and so many people were so excited about it and then i looked at it and it was just a command line interface wallet right like holy shit this is my opportunity to to actually uh, contribute something to the space so i wrote a, i wrote uh, i actually finished a gui for that now there was one problem which was like a, a really technical one that you just couldn't connect together the joy markets python code with my c sharp code because of some strange behavior and and eventually i just uh, i just uh, okay so there was a, there was another developer nicola dorie um who who's like the 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 c sharp god of bitcoin world like he wrote most of the bitcoin tools for the c sharp community right and he's he said at the time that he's going to work on tumblebit and and i was like oh okay so the most competent developer that i know in my language is going to work on bitcoin privacy and it's not joy market then i have to hop on the hype train so so that's how i i i abandoned the joy market project after a few months and went to the 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 tumblebit mm -hmm. stuff interesting and and wasabi came from from that all right so that's really interesting so okay so let's get into the to the meat of the matter um what is going on with the chain analysis i mean this is being reported and memed and talked about on 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 twitter as uh wasabi is implementing chain analysis censorship blacklists uh into into wasabi's coinjoin and thus doesn't that defeat the purpose of coinjoin altogether like how why, what is going on here what are you guys actually doing here and uh, maybe tell us why why did you get in why why are you doing this and what is it that you're doing yeah you kind of have to get into the details all right um so i cannot say everything but i can say much more than what when we announced it because ultimately we had to move to a new uh, jurisdiction um <clears throat> no you brought up many many topics uh, there and and and, and uh, okay, so let me let me strongman the argument of uh, of why why it's not okay. Um, 
<clears throat> the idea is, again, uh, as I talked about fungibility here, that we have to remove all the friction that comes with the usage of money. So the idea is that money should be as accessible as oxygen itself, right? If someone put you in jail, then they are not going to take away your oxygen. Uh, sometimes they do, but, but, but usually they don't. So, so money should be as accessible for every human being in this planet as oxygen itself. Therefore, if you do not, if you violate this principle, then we have a problem, right? Right. And, uh, and, and, and actually, this is something that I completely agree with, so I'm not even going to refute it. Um, however, on the other hand, you cannot be stupid about it. So you can, you can choose to live in la-la land and not consider the, the, the real world. And regarding this, you're not going to end up being any trouble, but we don't have this luxury because if we choose to live in la-la land and we are wrong, then we are done. So that's a, that's a problem. And, <laughs> you know, it was funny because originally, again, I, I told you I wasn't a freedom fighter or anything like that. So I, I had some, some reasonable amount of confidence in government, <laughs> you know, like I, I thought they are like trying to do the good thing, the right thing. And okay, the detective work is not a problem, but so, so isn't privacy work, right? Like, um, you should be able to work on both privacy work and detective work, and the government is not going to bother you because you're doing good to the world. No, I, I think this was super naive. Um, so, 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 where should we go from here? In a yeah, where, where should we go from here? <laughs> well, why? Um, I mean, I think maybe describe what what you guys are actually doing. I mean, you're connecting to chain analysis servers. You're pulling blacklisted UTXOs. You're comparing them to UTXOs that try to coin join, and then you're filtering the blacklisted ones. Is that what's going on? So. First of all, it's not not Chainalysis. Um, it's another company. Um, it is when someone is trying to register. In, okay, so what, what's happening normally with Bitcoin exchanges? When someone sends money to the exchange, then they are going to screen that money where that's coming from, and maybe they decide to take that money um, or, or not. Okay, so what's, what's happening here with us? When someone um, signs us a registration attempt into the coin join, then what we can do is that we refuse that registration attempt. So we cannot take the money. 
and uh, and and I think the the the, the problem here is that Sorry, people somehow want to take it anyway. Hmm? Just to clarify, you couldn't take it anyway because it's a non-custodial system. Like it's you, but you just you can't. You ch you refuse to uh, aid in its coin join essentially, but yeah, just to clarify. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, exactly. So that's about the security aspect. Um, on the on the privacy aspect, there is also so. So again, I'm, I I will try to straw man the position, but. But there, there isn't really too much straw manning here because the arguments mostly here is that um, chain analysis. Chain analysis. You see, even I'm, um, <laughs> even I say that people are. I, I, I don't even know where they they get this from. So the blockchain analysis is evil and violates people's privacy. Therefore, anyone who is um, <clears throat> who is subscribing to the service one of any of the service of blockchain analysis is violating people's privacy R right like uh, or, or can you can you tell me uh, a more more conscious argument uh, of why people believe that it, it somehow magically violates privacy um, yeah, it, it's a good question. I mean, I, one of the arguments I've heard you make is that all this data is public on the blockchain. Everybody has a copy of all of it. I think there's kind of an expectation from people that Bitcoin has great privacy and that expectation is to some degree false. You know, it's kind of like privacy through obscurity. I mean, it, it doesn't, it's, it's not, it's private in that it does like the blockchain does not have a record of who you are, or your IP or your name. You know, uh, other third-party services may have this data, but and, and often do have a significant amount of data. But but the the accounting record is public, so it's kind of you're kind of you're kind of mining a a commons, right? It's like a, a a landscape that anybody can look at, and some people just have magnifying, they have telescopes, right? Um, but um, yeah, so so I mean I don't know if it's a violation of privacy to data mine the Bitcoin blockchain. I think where it is is like you know they're also probably buying data from private vendors and corporations and then trying to combine this and then that definitely you know is is I mean we live in a world where privacy is you know very difficult and somewhat of a luxury. Um, so but yeah, I mean it's it's. It's not good. It's definitely not good that this much data mining is happening. So I'm, a, I'm more of a cypherpunk in, in this regard. Um, so there is a central tenant of cypherpunkness, which is that information wants to be free. Are you familiar with that? Yes. Yes, I've heard of that. There is a cypherpunk tenant that information wants to be free. And what this all comes down to is that it should, in, in my, my beliefs, it should be okay to violate other people's privacy and it should be okay to protect other people's or your own privacy. If I look at you, I am violating your privacy. If I get to know something about you, 
then you then that information is free already. Your reputation is not your property. Your reputation is not under your control. Therefore, <laughs> therefore, intellectual property is not a not a real thing in my book. But uh, that's a sidetrack here. So where I was going with here is that if you, in my opinion, the battlefield should be not on the legal grounds, but it should be on the technological grounds. So detective work should not be illegal. GDPR is bullshit. And everyone should be able to protect their own privacy or at least work on that because your reputation is what other people think about you. And that's not your property. You should not put force legal, the, the force of the government behind the protection of, of, uh, of information, of your information. It should be a legal, legal problem. So, sorry, it should not be a legal problem. It should be a technical problem. People should be <laughs> hacking information and they should be protecting information. So if someone hacks you, then that's a signal for the defensive systems that you had that they are not good enough. And, you know, it might even be doing a favor to you in a sense that, uh, that if someone is able to hack, if, if small, small hacks happen against you, then you're going to upgrade your defenses. But if the small hacks are discouraged by law and you don't care about your defenses, then what's going to happen is eventually you're going to have a big hack where the benefits outweighs the discouragement of the law. And you are going to, you see, it's the concept of anti-fragility. Uh, you are going to suffer a big, big loss at the end. Um, people don't care about their privacy until they do. <laughs> yeah. um, okay, so... So, so, so all I wanted to say with this is that I, I think, uh, I think neither detective work nor privacy work should be a concern of governments and law. It should be a concern of technology. Okay. Um, so, but the law cares, right? Despite, despite this ideal, which yes. I, you know, I'm sympathetic to the law cares. Uh, we just saw the Tornado Cash developer uh, who created a, a coin mixer on Ethereum using zero knowledge proofs, I believe, get arrested and held without charges, I believe, for about a year. Um, and I, I, I believe that that case is developing now and there's been some changes I'm not aware of yet. But, I mean, the, the law cares. Um, so I mean, my initial defense of this, uh, a few days ago on Twitter was, you know, from Wasabi was like, well, they're probably getting pressured, right? Um, are you getting pressured? Is there a regulatory concern? Is there fear that they're going to come after, like maybe, I don't know, the powers that be, whoever they be, uh, are going to come after you for enabling privacy or enabling, let's say, the the, the coin mixing of uh, money, Bitcoin that has been acquired through illegal means or something like that. Why, why, why implement uh, 
a chain analysis style filter into Wasabi. Mm -hmm. Yes, uh, we are definitely getting pressure. We cannot have bank account. We, <laughs> okay, so we had to leave our previous jurisdiction. Um, and while we were trying to do that, we figured out that every single jurisdiction that we wanted to move to, there was some way of refusing us. And sometimes it was really subtle, like, um, I don't recall, there was some small offshore island or something where, where you have to get an agent to move your company there. And then the agents start talking to you and then they just stop responding to you. And you go through like three or four agents when you figure out that you, you, you are not welcome, right? So that's, that's not, not, uh, not okay. Um, and, and, uh, and if I remember well, there was uh, like, uh, like um, a few days of, of, we had to shut down the comp, we almost had to shut down a company if we are not finding uh, someone willing to accept us into a new jurisdiction. Um, and, and I think we had three, three days uh, left from the, from the deadline that, that was set. So, so unfortunately, we are not in, a, in the jurisdiction where we would, we would like to be, but uh, our lawyers work hard on these things and hopefully we can... Uh, we can we can get to get to somewhere where we don't have to to be afraid. Um, unfortunately, that's even if we are not afraid in the jurisdiction where we are. There are jurisdictions like the United States who see no borders in their in their enforcement of ideology. Uh, therefore, it's not uh, it's it's never going to be completely secure. Now, let's, you brought up Tornado Cash, uh, and, and what happened there? There were North Korean hackers, or state hackers, or allegedly, right? We don't know. Allegedly, there were North Koreans who were using Tornado Cash, and that they have ended up in the crossfire of geopolitics, right? Now, it is not not only not inconceivable, but almost like a rule that there is going to be a child porn exploitation ring that is going to be using us in the future. And if that happens, then we are done. Like th there is no coming back from there. Six billion people are going to rally against us. Like it's, it's, it's the end, right? Can you, can you um, explain that again? Because I didn't quite understand what, what you said there. There's going to be a what? A child, por child oh, yeah. porn exploitation ring, right? Sure. If we don't start to filter ourselves, um, and, and we kind of pushed it out as far as we could already, but yeah, but yeah well, I made my point there.
Right. So you're you're concerned, obviously, that you know a serious crime will you know the proceeds of serious crime will will get um, let's say obfuscated through wasabi, and that 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 you will take as a as a as a as a company you will take the 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 blame for that in some way. You'll be made a scapegoat. Um, is that is that right? Mm-hmm. And it's not just a concern, right? We've been getting uh, mainstream media articles left and right mm-hmm. that uh, these things were happening. So, 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 but not, mm-hmm. not to the, not to this, this extreme yet. Right. Right. Okay. Um, one of the things that I read and I can't remember if it was the samurai guys or with the recording you, or maybe you wrote it, but in the Bitcoin magazine article, perhaps that um, your lawyers had done really deep research, read the acts and so on, and had currently found no laws that you were violating uh, with this company. Is that is that an accurate um, par- paraphrase? Yes. Okay. That's a that's an accurate statement. But that, in fact, okay. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, in fact, we had a number of law firm opinions, even in our previous jurisdiction, the largest law firm uh, legal opinion that uh, that we are violating no 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 laws. Right now, it did end up not mattering in a in a sense that at at one point when the financial regulators con- contacted us to 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 start uh, know your customering our, our our customers which obviously we cannot do because the whole system is not built on that way but uh, but then we had this interesting uh, dilemma that are we going to fight it out of court <laughs> go to that extreme or we are trying to not create trouble and recognize we are unwelcome and try to leave now regarding fighting what's your what's your jurisdiction in a in an island (laughs) Uh, regarding uh, Regarding fighting out of court, what we came to realize that now, even if we would win, then what would happen is the laws would change, and they would, and we would be in a bigger trouble. Are you uh, under some sort of, um, let's say, style of gag order, or are you in the process in some legal case where you can't speak of details or anything like that right now? So I do think I already said more than uh, okay. than I was comfortable with but uh, but no I am not under uh, any order I have legal advisors who right who are advising me to, to not even <laughs> come to this podcast right <laughs> so <laughs> well I appreciate that, that boat has said I appreciate. It. I think I think this will help people understand the the difficulty of the task that you've taken on. You know, I think people are very very quick to condemn. Um, and um, 
you know, but I, I, I definitely, you know, you're, you're, it would be great if this was all built into Bitcoin already and was completely decentralized and there wasn't any pressure points that, you know, uh, political powers or, or certain establishments could put pressure on, right? But that's not, that's not the, the, the world. That's not the cards we were dealt. Um, and it's also kind of, you know, cute that people will be like, you know, some of the critics will be like, oh, well, you know, they're, they're not breaking any laws by their own research. It's like, yeah, but do you really believe that we live in a world of laws? You know, like where the law really is the final arbiter? No, we live in a world of political convenience and power. And um, I think that's the, that's the reality in most of the world. Maybe not in the United States in some places, but even that is highly debatable. So I think it's it's understandable that you guys are taking precautions. Um, may I just give you two two examples of the disconnect sure. between uh, between two words here? So one of the one of the interesting thing I noticed uh, just recently, like uh, half a uh, half year ago, there was a mixer, cheap mixer, got uh, got got shut down and. One of the way that they were arguing against chip mixer was that that you see here is a record of him speaking out against New York customer and AML laws, and that is indicative of criminal um, <clears throat> intent, right? Like Bitcoiners always do that, <laughs> always, all the time. So if this can be brought up against you, then well, we have a problem. This this is one example. Another example would be uh, Chainalysis has organized a conference, a regulatory conference, a um, couple of weeks ago. And I was reading some article about it from the New York Times. Actually, someone else pasted uh, this, this in. Is that the, this is the sentiment of the regulators. Chainalysis, okay, <laughs> follow me on this because it, it even blew my mind. Chainalysis is a bad actor here because what Chainalysis does is providing cover for all these criminals in the crypto industry for doing their, their for claiming to do their stuff uh, non-criminally, right? Wow. So, 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 so so, so the, on the one hand, Bitcoiners are fuck chainalysis. They are um, in bed with the regulators. On the other hand, regulators are fuck chainalysis. They are criminals and they are providing cover. Like that's the level of disconnect we are talking here. Wow. So, wow. So, so the regulators, according to the New York Times, believe that chain analysis is complicit in, in covering up crime because they're doing work that presumably fails to find wrongdoing in a, in a bunch of crypto activity that the regulators think is actually criminal anyway. Is that, that's... <laughs> Precisely. <laughs> oh, man. That's just amazing. I mean, I think it's incredible the 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 violation of due process that this is this all sort of uh, entails, right? Like you, you you know, like have you guys, I like in in a in an ideal world there would be a jurisdiction where you would be protected, where 
you know, a court would actually have to issue some sort of injunction or some sort of warrant against the U2XO and tell you, hey, you can't, you can't, mo- you can't help coin join that, right? But and that would at least pretend to protect due process and and the and the presumption of innocence uh, into proving guilty and so on. But this this sort of uh, KYC regime and surveillance regime just does not care at all about people's presumption of innocence and due process, um, which is, I think, where there's very real moral opposition to to this regime from from the people. So, um, on on paper, on paper, it's completely okay uh, to 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 work on on privacy, um, right. especially if you're a small small project. Um, uh, however, whenever you you look at these cases when people who were working on privacy are uh, being tried for, it uh, as I notice, it very often comes down to the to the intent, um, which is which is things like, are you advertising your services for money laundering or? You know, let's not even go into the <laughs> why money laundering is a made-up crime, in my opinion. But are you advertising your services for um, nefarious activities? Um, and if you, if they find these kind of sentences from you in the past, uh, you are in a worse position. Now, I think we are lucky because, because again, I did not. I, I, we. We started in a way that I was just a regular developer, and and the and my co-founders were um, <clears throat> were running a law firm at that time, right? So we we didn't do stupid things in this sense, but uh, you know, like I have I have like a hundred hundred hundreds of thousands of messages and activity on the internet. Even in this call, I'm sure someone can find something that can be brought up against me, right? And uh, that's 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 a problem. Yeah, I mean, when when the law, you know, is so malleable that the power can just make up new laws or find one of, you know, it's just like this web of bureaucracy, yeah, I mean, you can't you can't live your life trying to. You know, it's impossible to know all the laws. The average person breaks more than one law in a single day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, okay, well, I, I think I think you've made you've said enough in terms of making it clear, kind of what's motivating this this integration. You're trying to protect yourself from from somewhat of a political attack or or some sort of. Um, enforcement that even even that that is outside of the law and you know you, you don't want to become the precedent that creates a new law in a sense let's 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 talk about what what it actually looks like then so because i i you know I'm, i run i ran a poll on twitter and the poll was talking about ofac compliant coin joins versus ofac resistant coin joins and if people had to take to choose which would they prefer and 90 percent of people said they preferred OFAC resistant coin joins, but 10% said they preferred OFAC compliant coin joins. And 
I personally know multiple people that have told me like, I don't coin join my coins because I'm afraid that that will put a target on my coins. Um, and so the idea that the idea of a, of a coin join pool, so to speak, that, you know, despite the lack of due process and chain analysis, at least uh, filters the, you know, those UTXOs that are allegedly involved in crime. Um, that does seem to provide a benefit, an added value to such a coin joint pool for some people. Um, I don't like it, but I do recognize a, a kind of game theoretical advantage there for for that implementation. Um, but I mean, how do you, do you have any thoughts on that? Like any, any, any response to that line of thinking? Cause it is, it is something that's being, that people are thinking about it. They're just not very loud about it on Twitter. I accept it as a side effect. Um, Again, like in ideally, it should not happen. Do, do you see do you, where do you see us going with this? Like, is there a solution? Like, do we have to just find a way to decentralize coin join such that there isn't a pressure point, you know, as difficult as this problem technically appears to be? Um, you know, that also, you know, while also making it easy to use and all that stuff. Um, do we just have to decentralize this? Um, or, or, or and if we fail, are we headed towards this sort of black, bad Bitcoin, good Bitcoin sort of dystopia that I think the privacy critics, you know, people from Monero, et cetera, kind of try to paint, right? Which actually doesn't have much historical you know, evidence historically at scale, you know, it'll happen targeted to specific people, but, but uh, do you see us going into this kind of, kind of um, technocratic dystopia where, you know, if you buy a piece of meat in 30 years, your coin joints, you know, your, your UTXOs will be blacklisted and <laughs> you have to eat the bugs. Oh, no, not at all. In fact, it's good that you, you bring this up because I forgot to mention this in the in our discussion of decentralized uh, privacy schemes. Um, so, actually, um, Wasabi Wallet is censorship resistant, but not immediately. Uh, what does this mean? If you Think about the central properties that we just went through in the beginning that it cannot violate users' privacy and it cannot steal their coins, which means the entity who is running the coordinator does not have any power over the users of the coordinator, which means that this is a very special service which can be run without, without with in, in complete pseudonymity, right? Which means that if we do our job well, then the market forces should be coming in to provide an alternative service that 
is trying to compete on the grounds that these things are not happening. Okay, and is there is there a future where this is made easy for people? Like people can choose which coordinator to work with uh, from a UX perspective? Because right now that's possible, I believe, but you have to go and modify a, a config file, right? To choose a different coordinator. Mm -hmm. is, is that not easy enough? <laughs> so, yeah, so, so, okay, uh, here is the thing. Here is the thing. What you're trying to suggest here is that we somehow try to seek out people who are running these pseudonyms coordinators and try to offer some kind of assistant, maybe, maybe even write it in the code itself that people can, can actually connect to those pseudonyms uh, um, coordinators without them even clicking a button or stuff like that, right? Um, now, <laughs> the, 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 the irony here is that I, I'm not even sure if it's even safe for me to talk about these things, but right. putting this feature into the software itself is definitely not safe, right? That's a clear intent of, of, uh, of over, of bypassing the thing, which just defeats the whole purpose. So again, it's easy to, to do all these things and I do not encourage anyone, um, but, uh, but uh, you you can't can't get out of the work and I don't know improving the software and whatnot. Uh, that's just not not possible. You have to put the work in. I mean, we put yeah. <laughs> we put the work in for many years. Fifty contributors, right? Yeah, I mean that, that sounds like, even though there isn't uh, there aren't specific laws. Like technically, what you're doing is legal. You've seen enough cases that that paint intent as as sufficient to prosecute and so on. I mean, it sounds like a classic problem of centralization in a way, you know, um, or hopefully there's, there's technologies that can, that can remove the need for a coordinator. Like, do you see a path for that? Even if the problem is, of course, you, you know, it's a, it's a big profit center to some degree, but like, is there a path to just decentralize the coordinators beyond mm -hmm. just adding more coordinators, yes. right? Cause that's not really, cause the problem with the, with the alternative coordinators is they have very, very, you know, they have a network effect. They have to compete with the network effect of the default coordinator, you know, and, and it's not easy to access them and it's not easy to discover them. So they're going to have a much harder time growing their liquidity pool and their, their anonymity set. But presumably they could advertise through different means, you know, so that's their, that's their risk to take. Yeah, yes, exactly. I mean, I mentioned the beginning join market, right? Which is, which is, I think it's it's probably good enough to be to be called a, a decentralized um, coin join model. But even if you don't agree with that, then there is a, a different line of research uh, from <clears throat> Tim Ruffing, uh, Moreno, Pedro Moreno Sanchez, and Aniket Kate, which is Coin Shuffle first research paper, Coin Shuffle plus plus second research paper, this is a decentralized coin join, right? And they actually went on to build a value shuffle, which is, <laughs> which is 
a research paper based on uh, confidential transactions in Bitcoin, which uh, at this point I'm not even hoping for, but uh, but but it's very interesting, and there, there certainly is the research. Um, again, it take it takes a lot of work, and and uh, and and I'm I would really I would really be happy if someone would pick that line of research up in its purest sense and go ahead and build decentralized coin joins. Right. Right. Um, okay, let's address another question that people have. Um, just try to kind of deal with this question. Um, people are concerned that the, you know, filtering in coin joint inputs based on chain analysis style work defeats the purpose of coin join. Um, is that an accurate concern? Like if people, if people, try to use wasabi and it their requests to mix coins are approved are they sacrificing their like are, are they getting surveilled in some sense or like are there is their coin join still secure um yeah mm -hmm. yes um we did go into it and previously right like a uh, half an hour ago and again i'm i'm looking for the the arguments that would would make it so that it's not secure now i actually i i did wrote it to to you in the in, in a in a reply on 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 your twitter message regarding this topic which is that hey you can't prove negatives but there are a number of ways that you can look at it and be convinced that there is no issue here. So one, one way would be is that, again, just going back to the overarching theme of this conversation, the coordinator cannot steal nor de-anonymize. Nor de-anonymize means mm. the coordinator have no information. Therefore, if the coordinator would be able to give information to the blockchain analysis company, well, that would be a problem, but it's not a problem of the blockchain analysis integration. It's, the, it's a design flaw in the system itself. As an example, I can bring up Samurai Wallet, right? They are by default, uh, have your extended public key from which you can derive the entire financial history and future financial uh, transactions that you will ever do. Therefore, you have no, no uh, privacy against Samurai Wallet. Furthermore, they default to the clearnet. Therefore, they have the IP addresses. Now, they have the XPUBs and the IP addresses of their default users. So they could actually turn that over to third parties. And that's an extremely huge problem. But in ZK Snacks, we don't do any of those things. So we don't have anything to give to anyone. And even if we would want to have, we still couldn't because that's how the system is working. The Wasabi wallet considers ZK Snacks or the coordinator as the enemy of the user that the code has to protect the user from the coordinator itself. So 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 i i'm just i'm i'm just buffered like 
people saying that it somehow violates privacy of the user or even defeats its its whole purpose. I think that's not right. If we are arguing, let's argue on the grounds of truth, right? Yeah. Yeah, let, let's, let me try to rephrase that because, I mean, you said it very well, but I just, it's, it's a point that I, I find to be missing from the conversation. So what you're saying is the, the coordinator has zero knowledge of the user and the, the UTXOs that are getting checked against the chain analysis are public UTXOs that every Bitcoin full node has a copy of, you know, and, and the chain analysis company has some extra data that comes from outside, you know, Wasabi and outside, you know, from some third parties, exchanges, etc. Right. And so the coordinator doesn't have any extra information and it's not contributing any information to, to the chain analysis company. I mean, do, does, is it useful for a, this analysis company to know that a particular UTXO is trying to mix? Is that is there some information leakage there? Yes, that's the information there, right? Um, but it's like, that's not relevant information. I mean, this UTXO wants privacy. Right. Well, what do you do with that? It's like... The UTXO yeah. that doesn't want privacy, that's the <laughs> question, <laughs> not the one that wants it. <laughs> well, and, and even if you didn't check it against what, against the, if you didn't, you know, ask chain, chain analysis company, hey, is this UTXO on the blacklist? That company would nevertheless be able to see which inputs came into a, you know, a cloud of coin join. Anyway, so it's not like that that information of, of a UTXO trying to get privacy is private information. It's actually public information because it's on it's on chain, right? Like if if a coin journey is executed, that's on chain data that chain analysis can get anyway by mining the blockchain. Oh yes, that's a good point. The alternative scenario is that we take out blockchain analysis from the picture. And one, what that happens is that they actually get to the blockchain. Um, you know, another way to think about it, the information flows from blockchain analysis towards Wasabi and not the other way around. Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah, that's, I mean, that. I believe you on that. I don't know if that's something that can be externally verified by the... Um, Again, like it, uh, it I'm, can, yeah, okay. Yes, well, like the go ahead. Tell, tell us how that would that would work. Oh, so you look at the code. You well, you look at the code and make sure that it is working as I just described a minute ago, right? Mm -hmm. Right. The coordinator code is open source, um, as well as the the, the client. Everything is open source, yes. Wonderful. Wonderful. Awesome. I mean I think I think we really we really uh pushed that part of the conversation forward. So I'm I'm pretty happy with that. Let me ask you a kind of a different question. How do how do decisions like this get made within the Wasabi company? How did this conversation happen? You know, like you said there's like 50 contributors. 
like walk us through the process if you can. I understand that there's like a legal team and there's things you can't, you're maybe advised against sort of getting into detail or something like that. But like, do you just have a meeting? How does this happen? Mm-hmm. So again, it is changing all the time, right? Because we went from one person to 50 people in four years. So, so the, the structure changes, but the current structure is that uh, <clears throat> we have a number of teams. Um, you can generally divide these teams into, huh, how many teams do we have? We have the seat council, uh, that's the non-developer team. We have the, the sorry, that's the development uh, part of the company. We have the JEDIs, the JEDI Council, and that's the the, uh, the non-developer part of the company. And we have an Evox, um, you know, Evox. I don't know if you're familiar with Star oh. Wars. The <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, Evox, yeah. They are living in the Endor and uh, they have the connection to the low part of the company, right? That's, I guess you would say the, how would you say that? The final upper management or something like that in a, in a, in a normal company. So in that, uh, we have five people, um, CEO, COO, the two lawyers and me, and, uh, and that's, uh, where the, 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 the largest, most impactful decisions are are made. Let's talk about samurai a little bit. Um, and you know, it's it's somewhat of a shame that there's been such a feud between the two companies for such a long time, and it's very weird because I haven't seen this level of feud in any other aspect of the Bitcoin industry. There's like, like that's the kind of feud that you get between like Bitcoin and Ethereum people, but within Bitcoin, it's, it's a very unique thing. And obviously there's some bad blood and some, you know, different things that have happened. And I don't want to get into the the details and like deep lore of this drama, but uh, I do think we, it would be interesting to extend a kind of courtesy to them, a courtesy that they probably would not extend to you or to me at this point, because they kind of they think I'm some sort of shill for Wasabi at this point. Um, but can you steal man Samurai Wallet? Is there is there like, let, let's start with the criticisms that they've made to Wasabi. Is there of all the things they've said, many of them which are, you know, have been questioned and, and, and let's say rejected by various people in the community like that are kind of suspect or, you know, uh, you know, of all the things they've said, all the critiques they've made, is there any in particular that you look back on and you're like, you know what, that actually was a good point. Yes. Um, there was one, one thing just a couple of days ago, um, T-Dev, the founder of Samurai Wallet called me a fat fuck. And uh, I do believe that he's right, and I am trying to address that bug. So, so yeah, that hey. that is <laughs> fat shaming works, man. <laughs> okay, um, is there anything else, anything technically relevant that they've ever said? Here is one in uh, 
in 2019, uh, when Wasabi launched, we had an address reuse bug in the software itself. Um, now, now this, this conversation gets very confusing because uh, there are many address reuse claims from Samurai Wallet and, and, uh, and it ranges from reusing the coordinator address uh, which we can get into that, but that is the exact opposite of a bug. That's a feature to, to there are people who are using the wallet on two different computers and, uh, and you can't do anything about that uh, without violating some principles of zero knowledge. Um, yeah, without violating zero knowledge principles, but there was an address reuse bug in 2019, and that they have pointed it out, but you know it's it's in between the many false claims, right? The most dangerous, uh, most dangerous uh, claims are the ones those have a have a have some part truth in it uh but uh, but that that was for example <laughs> but you know like even that it wasn't them who pointed it out they have pointed it out after it was fixed right so mm. you know just just to, uh I, I i i can go on forever but just to throw something in uh sure. speaking of blockchain analysis being evil in 2000 I think 20 or so, at some point, they have purchased a blockchain analysis company called OXT, and they now own a blockchain analysis company. But the way that how they are using it is to create some fabricated reports on Wasabi Wallet, right? So the thing is that... Uh, that this uh, this bug has been pointed out years later by their blockchain analysis company in one of the reports in in between a lot of bullshit. Okay, um, what about remixing? Um, uh, somebody suggested I I I, I ask you about this one. Um, Apparently, with uh, Whirlpool, you can remix your mixes, and that lets you keep uh, a high level of anonymity set going forward. Whereas the previous version of Wasabi, I believe, didn't have remixing, so you mixed once, and then your anonymity set after that started to kind of diminish. Um, are you aware of what I'm talking about here? And um, you know, is that is that something positive that they pointed out? Yes, I'm aware of what you're talking about, and no, that's not a, <laughs> that's not a not a constructive criticism there. So, what's up, people at one point two, right? Uh, you, ca you many people were remixing a lot, and possibly even more than in Whirlpool because they actually actively prevent people from remixing, but. No need to get into that. Uh, the, the, the interesting thing here is that, again, I came up with the Xiaomi and CoinJoin Zero Link protocol and they changed Whirlpool. So what was the change? Um, while Wasabi Wallet 
was creating equal outputs for every users and one change output for almost every user. That change output in the coin join that that was not anonymized, right? Uh, it's it's it can be followed. It appears as a red coin in the wallet, and many of the samurai wallet uh, reports were about how they can demix wasabi uh, while they were just following the change outputs. Those were not even anonymized in the first place. So. So, so, so what, what's the difference between Verpool and Wasabi Wallet? Is that this change output, they take it outside of the coin join. In the very first transaction that they make, it's called takes zero. There, they create a lot of equal outputs and a change output. But then the equal outputs are going into the coin join, right? Therefore, in a in a in a <laughs> in a blockchain analysis tool that is not open source and they do maintain it looks like a lot of green thing uh, like the perfect mix right mm -hmm. because the takes zero they take out the change output so there is the, but the change output doesn't disappear it's just not in the coin join it just it doesn't even get into the coin join. It stays there, and who knows what happens with that? Sometimes not good things. But okay, so so what's 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 the what's the point here? Is that there are remixes in these Verpool transactions, and the way that they are doing these remixes is that they they try to create a, a well-optimized graph of a well-optimized transaction graph. Um, so they, they censor, they filter out the UTXOs. Those are allowed to register into their coin joins. <laughs> um, and the way that they do that is that there are always two or three people, the, the new entrants of their coin joins are paying the entire transaction fee. Okay, so there must be always new entrants into the coin joins. Those are paying the entire transaction fee of their coin joins. So what this means is that people who want to remix, they are remixing for free all the time, but they cannot remix too much because it relies on new people coming into the coin joins all the time. So you see, that's, that's an interesting decision. And, 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 and yeah, so, so this is somehow being, uh, Yeah, this this is what they are talking about, and then they create stories on top of that, um, so no one understands at one point. But uh, but this is the core. How does Wasabi uh, deal with that? Um, did you guys implement some form of remixing? I, I mean, we are not preventing people 
from remixing, right? Like we just take what they are doing and and we are not doing that. So but, people are but paying for their yet. own mining. Right. Yes. It's not being subsidized we, by the US. Yes. So. Correct. Okay. Very interesting. Earlier you mentioned that Samurai has the UTXOs and the IP addresses of their users. Presumably you mean the mobile wallet Samurai users. Uh, there is this distinction within Samurai world that there's a dojo you can run, which is a full node implementation. And then there you don't have to expose your XPUB to, I guess, the Samurai coordinators or whatever, their servers. Um, whereas in mobile, you can't really run a full node. Um, and thus, you kind of have to expose your XPUB to them. Uh, and they promise, you know, trust me, bro, we're not keeping track of everything. Um, is that a, an accurate representation from your understanding of Samurai? And are you were you referring only to the mobile implementation? Or do you believe that this issue is, you know, writ large within the Samurai ecosystem? Mm-hmm. Well, it gets a bit more, more complicated than that, but not too much. So um, very first thing, they don't have to do that. They choose to do that because we were the first ones who implemented an alternative way of having a light wallet. Actually, that was Wasabi Wallet's uh, 1.2's main innovation. Uh, I built a light wallet that doesn't track your XPUBs. Uh, Okay, so, and the problem, their problem with that is that we built it. So they don't wanna be on top of a system that that we created again. So they just uh, decide to to not not provide privacy for their users. But uh, okay, so that's that's one point. Another one is that now there is this Sparrow integration, right? And even then, uh, in Sparrow, you are still exposing the the uh, the transaction history but not to Samurai anymore, but to uh, hard-coded, quote-unquote, trusted uh, Bitcoin Electrum Electrum servers, right? So there are people who are running these Electrum servers and they are exposing it to them. Now, Okay, so, so, so there is this, this two issue, there is the mobile wallet, there is the Sparrow issue, but what it all comes down to it is that ultimately, even if you are mixing, even if you are coin joining with the, with the full node, right, the dojo, then you really don't have any assurances that you are not going to coin join with with the people who use it as the default usage is, uh, which which means you, you cannot be anonymous by default, right? Uh, anonymity loves company. Um, so, so, so again, even if you are doing the dojo stuff, you still have to trust them. Um, you you lower your chances of them being fully able to de-anonymize you, but ultimately you just don't know. 
Right. Yeah, I mean, that's always been my my concern with Samurai. I mean, not always. You know, I, I tried them out in the early days, and I kind of um, – I liked it when they came out. You know, I've, I've, there's, there was a time when I was a supporter of them, but, but yeah, like my concern there was like, okay, you know, how many people, like, I have to assume that most people are on mobile. And apparently this assumption is not necessarily true. Some people have thrown links at me like, oh, look, there's evidence that most people are running Dojo and they're savvy users. I don't know that that's true. I'm not sure how to fact check that. I have to like dig a little deeper into that. But um, yeah, like, if, I know if, actually. Yeah. Um, so there's, okay, unless you want to claim that the Sparrow integration did not change anything at all, then they are lying. So before there was a Sparrow integration, they were claiming uh, huge numbers, right? 80 or 90% or whatnot uh, for Dojo users. And after the Sparrow integration, they are claiming the exact same numbers. Uh, so that something is something is not okay there, and, and of course you cannot verify that. I mean, it's you know the question is how do they even know that, right? How would they like, know that? Yeah. 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 Is there like a proof of full node protocol? Is that is that a thing? Like. No, 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 <laughs> no. But but you you see my point. I mean, if they know this information, then then that means that they are doing something to collect this information actively. And, uh, and who, knows, who knows what? You, you know, and let me throw in something here. I mean, this is just the very first thing. Uh, no one has actually looked into the, the Whirlpool protocol because let's assume in the far future, they actually like fix these things. I'm still not convinced that it is it works as advertised. I mean, there are still uh, some worrisome things, but uh, it just as Peter Todd put it, he's the guy who actually coined the phrase "coin join." Um, he put it in a way that <clears throat> samurais, um, XPUB, and IP leaks issues are not even comparable to any issues with Joy Market to Wasabi Wallet, and therefore you don't even need to go further of investigating it. So no one goes further of investigating it because it's it's such a gaping hole to begin with that it, it makes no sense to look even further. Hmm. Um, that's a good point. Is is Wasabi? Can, is it possible to compile Wasabi from source in some sort of deterministic way, like where you know, like the work that um, that um, oh gosh, wallet scrutiny? Yes, wallet scrutiny is doing with many mobile wallets. Obviously, Wasabi is a desktop wallet, so kind of a different case there. But like, is it is it possible to deterministically build Wasabi from source? Yes. Okay. So that that's, it is, I mean, go ahead. No, I'm just saying that it is, yeah. we, we do have that. Uh, yeah. So, and I'm going to take your words for it because I'm not competent enough to compile code. Uh, but, um, but yeah, that's one of the big issues too. Like Wasabi has had tensions with uh, wallet scrutiny because you can't 
you can't compile, you can't deterministically build samurai. samurai. Yeah, for Sabi. And they'll yeah, samurai. Samurai has had issues. Yeah, yeah. Samurai wallet, the mobile client has had issues deterministically building from source. At least wallet scrutiny has had issues building samurai from source. And Samurai's response is like, oh, it's because of the JPEGs and we don't have time. It's not relevant. It's not important to us. It's too low on the priority list. That's the response that I've seen. Um, I can know, uh, elaborate on that because sure, you might, I, I might have a different opinion here. So um, first of all, the, the, the logic is that if you cannot deterministically reproduce your binaries, then you don't know what binaries you are using right mm -hmm. and uh, and i think that makes sense but i so i don't like to bring this up uh against samurai that much because <laughs> you see i i it's it's not a, it's not trivial at all to do right. these deterministic builds um this is something that i tend to give a pass for them but uh but 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 I can't argue against the, the the logic here that well you really don't know what you're running then. Um, yeah. And, and fair enough, it's a very high bar. It's a very high bar, and it's a bar that not many wallets pass. I think there's there's like five wallets that pass their their check on this, but um, you know, so there may be a, plenty of wallets that are actually like honest, and they just haven't found a way or found the time or put in the work to make it deterministic. Nevertheless, it seems like kind of a really important bar that, that to aspire to and to pass because of this issue, right? Like what is open source if we can't, that, you know, have deterministic certainty that, that that's the code we're running. So um, it's, a, it's an interesting, I mean, it's an interesting issue. It's, I, th I do think there is some room for sympathy there. Um, May I throw you with some crazy statistics here? Yeah, please. It's, so if you look at the Samurai Wallet Twitter activity and compare it to the Wasabi Wallet Twitter activity, then you will find that their Twitter activity is a thousand times larger than the Wasabi Wallet Twitter activity. I'm not, I'm not, uh, not exaggerating here. Like this is this is like that. But if you look at our GitHub activity, our development activity, and their GitLab activity, which is where they host their development, then you can find the exact opposite. Our GitHub, our development activity is a thousand times larger than their GitLab activity. I. I you see, it looks like an abandoned project. There is like a few commits every few days. Um, so, 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 so again, we have we have spending a lot of time on development, and therefore we make sure that we have a deterministic builds. But somehow it doesn't happen for them um, for whatever reason, right? Um, so. I can, if they are really, if they, since they are barely improving their software, I can give them the pass on not working on deterministic builds, <laughs> right? That's wild. If you were 
if you were Bitcoin Tsar, if you were the king of Bitcoin, if you were Satoshi Nakamoto reincarnated, what upgrades would you implement to Bitcoin if you had certainty that they would get uh, unanimously deployed and integrated? Oh, that's a very good question. I actually know the answer to that. You want a quick answer or a longer one? <laughs> yeah, whatever, whatever you want, man. So I, I have a dream. In 2017, even, I think even before Wasabi Ballet or just right after that, uh, maybe 2018, whatever, I, I created a vision of how to make Bitcoin anonymous. It's, a, it's an article called Anonymous Bitcoin. And in that, I had two technologies, those three technologies, those would make such a huge difference in Bitcoin that if those things would get into the Bitcoin protocol, then using Bitcoin anonymously would actually be cheaper than using Bitcoin non-anonymously. Okay, so that's mind blow, right? Yes. So, so what is this? Um, <clears throat> you know, coin joins. In coin joins, we have to create equal output amounts. And by creating this in order to stay Bitcoin, stay it anonymous. Uh, but in order to do that, we have to split uh, coins left and right and this magic and that magic. And eventually you end up with a, with a more costly way of using Bitcoin than, uh, than normal Bitcoin usage. Now, but there is this, uh, this technology and I already uh, told you about it confidential transactions. And what they do is that they mask the output amounts in transactions. So that means if no one knows the output amounts in the transactions, we don't have to do these, these, uh, these input, these, these coin splitting magic in coin joints anymore, but rather we just, we can use it as as uh, just like normal Bitcoin usage would be, uh, because no one can see the, the 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 difference between amounts. So um, this is confidential transactions. There is a technology called bullet proofs that is um, aggregating confidential. So problem with confidential transactions is that they are large. Uh, those outputs are large. So bullet proofs are actually aggregating these confidential proofs for, for a huge coin join, which means that if we make a huge coin join with confidential transactions and bullet proofs, then uh, the additional cost would be negligible. Um, that the, the sizes of the, the, the proofs, these confidential proofs are are adding to the blockchain. Now, this is one part. And the final part here is on the input side. There is a technology called cross-input signature aggregation, which means that if you create a huge coin join, then the input signatures, which are very sizable part of a transaction, 
uh, and size matters because on the blockchain you pay fees not after amounts but after the bytes you are using so that's what we want to minimize here so if we aggregate the input uh, signatures in a big coin join that means and the output output uh, confidential proofs then that means if people are participating in this huge anonymous coin join then they will they will make anonymous transactions cheaper than they would without coin joins mm-hmm. so if i would be the bitcoin czar then i would have schnorr signatures confidential transactions with bulletproofs wonderful i you know it's it feels to me like a lot of people want this like i want this you want this this is a an upgrade that a lot of like i have friends that are like monero maximalists and they're like bro if you could implement stuff like this i would become a bitcoin maximalist again um why why can't we get this into bitcoin what's the what's the issue here is it a hard fork is there no way to soft fork it in um yeah why can't we get this I tell you the issue and then I tell you the solution and then I speculate on the remaining issues. So <clears throat> it's actually Adam Gibson was who I recall first pointed this out mm-hmm. that uh, if you have these confidential transactions then you cannot cannot verify the 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 money supply, right? If you don't know what the amount is then if someone hacks the hacks the the system yeah then uh, then 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 you don't know so and, and this is the case with monero and, and 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 in fact i think zcash had a similar bug previously so it's not that far fetched but mm-hmm. but it is far fetched enough uh, it, it is real enough for bitcoin developers to not consider it Now I think I think what we could do is bitcoin nodes could verify that no more coins are coming out of these confidential transactions then they are going in right. and if bitcoin nodes verify then even in the worst case scenario when the cryptography gets hacked in the confidential transactions then what would happen is that only the confidential part of the network would suffer from it but the entire network money supply would remain intact um okay so so i'm not 100% sure that this solution would work although i'm pretty confident but what's the what what are the problems here i think the most immediate problem is that nobody is working on it Uh, right it was a nice research paper and 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 it's it it is a significant enough change to 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 uh, you see there are much smaller changes in bitcoin those don't get to get to to, to be included right and this is like I don't know 100 times larger than the last soft fork that we had 
and even that went on top route for for many many <laughs> years yeah. right so I, I over time gave up on on uh, seeing this ever in 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 bitcoin and and i'm not sure it's a bad thing right like you don't want crazy people to mess with the monetary system yeah. of the future right no we definitely don't want a bitcoin sar <laughs> it's, a, it's a hypothetical question um yeah we definitely i like the conservatism in bitcoin you know if people want fat move fast break things they can they can go to ethereum break ethereum instead um but let, let me read something from peter todd so peter todd writes uh ccash okay this this is uh so peter todd here is quoting Corey clipston Corey says Regardless of what your favorite astrologist says, Satoshi did not implement four-year halvings to create supply shocks, nor huddle waves, nor to time a conversion with U.S. selection cycles. Thousands have explained the truth, but I'll quote a Reddit user. And the Reddit user basically says that exponential decay would be would have required imprecise floating point match operations that they may have been concerned could produce slightly different results on different process architectures. So one node might reject a block uh, and so on and so on, basically saying that this was necessary for calculating the supply. And then Peter Todd responds to that. Uh, Ccash and others have solved this problem with a simple lookup table and to create a smooth consensus exact supply. There's other simple mathematical techniques that can do this. Uh, for your having, was a stupid idea. Satoshi got this wrong. Um, so... Peter seems to think that you can calculate the supply on something like Zcash, uh, and I presume Monero as well, with you know, not that difficult of of a process. Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, it does seem like a very similar idea than what I was describing here. Uh, I, I think they are much more ahead of of the discussion here. So, 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 so I think they are more right than me. But it, it does seem like this alluding to the same thing. Man, that's tough. You know, if if we get this huge, this dystopian um, attack on Bitcoin fungibility, um, I, that I could see political political momentum to to do something to try to fix it because this is the one one of the, this is the one vulnerability that Bitcoin has that it does make me uncomfortable. It's like this, like this really could hurt Bitcoin in the future if it became a mass scale implemented sort of like. Again, you can't buy meat because it's against ESG. Like they implement ESG filtering into Bitcoin transactions, and you go pay, you go, you go buy groceries, and they're like, "Oh, sorry, you know, you you didn't uh, eat enough bugs this month." Um, that's that would be really bad. Um, I don't know if we'll get there, but that would be that might be what the kind of thing that creates political momentum too to do a hard fork in Bitcoin. All right, everybody, thank you for listening. We are moving now to the premium portion of this show where we'll be talking about more big picture questions, more personal questions such as uh, will AI replace your job? Can it become conscious? Have you ever done psychedelics? Have you talked to the DMTLs? What are the most important trends you think people are unaware of? And I, I got to tell you that his answer I was not expecting and I am I was very pleased to hear it too. And, uh, you know, what's his favorite book the book that everybody should read among a variety of other questions that are hopefully fun and um 
that I thought were particularly interesting. If you have any questions that you think I should ask my guests, let me know. And if you want to check out the next portion, the VIP portion of this podcast, uh, please sign up at substack.com. Just go to juangal.com and sign up to my premium Substack. Uh, you can do five dollars a month or two and a half dollars a month, I believe. If you get the yearly, it'll help support my work and allow me to create a lot more content, a lot more important conversations like this one, and just go full time. So, thank you for listening. You have a wonderful day, and I'll see you in the next one.